the galaxy burns. The heretic falls. And the Emperor protects. Welcome, citizens, to The Emperor Protects. My name is Doug, along with my great co-host, Dan, from the Cubic Shenanigans podcast today, covering all of the Horse Heresy books that maybe you don't want to read, or sometimes you just want the cliff notes. <laughs> um, but today we have something actually quite special. That was kind of the last one, right? Not a lot of folks dug Legion too much, but... Today, uh, we have an incredible book that uh, I did a 180 on. I went from being uninterested in every way, shape, or form about the white scars, today's topic, uh, to being like, man, maybe I want to paint like an army of these dudes (laughs) for the, uh, what is it, the Imperialis game or whatever's coming out. (laughs) Um, And I'm really thinking about it. So, uh, Dan, you you got me infected with with the white scars bug. Um, great news. Yeah. And so uh, what we're going to do in this episode is talk specifically about the book Scars by, is it Dan Abnett? It's uh, actually Chris Rate did this. Oh, scar- Chris Rate. I'm so sorry. He's done most of the, scar- the Scars books. Yes. That's the one detriment to doing like audiobooks is I don't have the thing in front of me to like have yes. the name of the author. Got it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about Scars, which is a, a really cool introduction here. I'm going to pass it over to Dan. Why don't you go ahead and just... Let us know a little bit about the book Scars. Okay, so really what's happened here in time frame-wise, listeners, we have uh, we are in a position where the Nikea Edict, which was the one to get rid of the librarians, that has been enacted. Uh, the Loyalist Legions lie dead on Istvan, that has happened. And Prospero is an ashen hulk at this point. So yep. into that situation... This is a story about the White Scars, really, their chief librarian, and then two aspirants who we're going to talk about at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. But it kind of – we have in this book such a complex story because there is this huge cast of characters. Yes. We actually have six Space Marine legions, six you know Astartes legions in this book, mm-hmm. which is insane. We have the Alpha Legion. We have the Scars, the Word Bearers, the Thousand Sons, the Death Guard, and then – I was like saying Vilka Fenrika, but everybody knows that's Space Wolves. Yes, yes. We have all those uh, legions, and each one actually plays a significant part. There's not like a cameo where they just show up. And even if their part is short, it's still significant. Yeah. And, And so I think that's another piece of this book. The other thing, we talked about it before the show, that is a little tougher, I think, if you're listening to it, is that... Chris writes this book in a way that each chapter actually contains four or five parts of the storyline at a time. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go from one scene to the other three, four, five times in one chapter, and it makes it a little more difficult. So we've kind of tried to collate things a little to make it more consistent and easier to understand rather than jumping back and forth 50 times. Yeah, I mean, it's written like a movie, right? Like You can imagine almost the scene kind of panning off to the shadows and then reopening somewhere else. It's just in written form when it's jumping around like that. It's very hard to articulate the plot, especially in a, in a book where you're trying to learn things with people. Mm. So you, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to like condense into three multiple storylines or whatever. Yes. Um, and, you know, part of this, too, is there's a lot of exposition here. Yes. Because... Especially the Khan, but um, Yashugai, who we'll talk about, who's the, the chief librarian, he's actually the chief storm seer of the White Scars. They mm-hmm. do a lot of reminiscing. Um, the Khan goes back to his time on Chagoras. 
He actually reminisces about his time with Horace and Magnus. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sugai goes back to his time at Nikea. He goes back to his time on Chagoras. And we're like, what? It's like this dream sequence. You talk about a movie. And then all of a sudden we're back in the action. And yep. so, again, that makes it um, an interesting story. But uh, And it helps you to understand it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, one of the things that's interesting here, I think, Mm -hmm. is that uh, we find out about the reputation of the Scars among everyone else. So they're really very renegade. It's not traitor. They just have this really renegade reputation that they don't like following rules. You know, if the emperor tells them to do something, they'll kind of do it. Mm -hmm. But they may go off in this other place that they think is more important. We know as we're reading uh, the story, listening to the story, that the Khan doesn't want any have anything to do with Nikea. He, yes. He's like, that's fine, great. Um, I, I, I don't want any part of that. I'm not going to do what you say kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and know, specifically because he acknowledges that it's going to cause nothing but division. Like he just, yes. this is a line. I, why are we, why, I don't want to be on either side. Stop drawing the line. Yeah, there you go. That, that's true. Um, it talks about consistently here their need for speed yep. and the uniqueness of this legion. I think most people are aware of it, but they really go into specific things that this legion did to make sure that that was their speciality. Um, and uh, we also learned that, like a lot of other Astartes legions, the White Scars are composed of elements from both the homeworld of Shagoras as well mm-hmm. as Terra. Yes, And this is important in heresy stories because that dual nature ends up, at least in the writing, it breeds resentment. And in some cases, it eventually shows itself in the seeds of rebellion Mm -hmm. Uh, that, you know, the the people from the home world. I think the Death Guard are a great example of it, that the the people who were actually from, you know, um, Mortarian's home world were incredibly resentful of the Terrans who oh, came yeah. to the Legion, like oh, Gero, yeah. you know, came in. Uh, it's not as bad here, but when we talk about one of the characters, it certainly made a difference in the way he reacted and acted mm-hmm. in the story. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, now, good. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say my kind of like synopsis here um, is that every one of these books that we've covered that introduces a Legion, so. I'm going to say uh, the one for the battle for McCrag, not battle McCrag, um, with the Ultramarines and Word Bearers. I don't know why I always have trouble with the name of that book. Kalth. Kalth. Yes, that's the name of the of the planet. Anyway, uh, when they did theirs, the book was written in a way that makes you like think like an Ultramarine, the practical and the theoretical and that kind of stuff. Yes. They're trying to introduce you to the way that these, like what what is the strength of the legions? That's and so great. in that one, it's what do the ultramarine strength is their cohesion and, and how you show that is their most shattered moment. Okay. When they're just everywhere for the white scars in this, I would say that their defining characteristic is their wisdom 
And when they're confronted with a ton of situations where they're like most of the plot points of this book is just people waiting to see what the con does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes, that's it, a great point. Yeah. But he's so like savvy, and in, sometimes it involves combat, sometimes it does not. But it's always this thing of like, you're emphasizing their ability to like be unknown, know everything, and make the best choices. I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. so cool. <laughs> yes, that's a great a great way to describe it. I agree with you. Yeah, and there is speaking of which, there's quite a cast of characters yes we meet several primarchs Mm -hmm. uh valdor the sigilite dorn we get all them Uh, i think some people of note that i'm just going to mention and listeners kind of keep these in your heads you know start an index card for each of these (laughs) Um, we have yeshugai who is again i think we mentioned it earlier the chief storm seer of the white scars we have two of the aspirants who the story kind of focuses around as well. And these are their White Scars names. We're not going to talk about their names bef- before, mm-hmm. which when they were still aspirants. So Torgan is a White Scar who came from Terra, and Shaban came from Chigoris. Yes. Uh, we have Hasik, who is something called a Noyan Khan, is kind of a... He's not so much a captain of a company that you would think he's more above that. He's kind of almost a sub-commander of the Legion. Mm-hmm. So he's very influential. He's very close to the Khan. <clears throat> we have this very, very interesting Terran. And I think uh, her name, her character, again, we don't see her a lot. Right. But she's so important to the story. Yes. Um, and her name is Elia. Uh, Virilian, and she basically is a logistics ex- expert in the Munitorium. And the reason she came to the Legion was she had risen over her long, long, long career up to the rank of general. Yep. And she was deployed in the area where the White Scars were after compliance. And the White Scars brought her on board as a counselor directly to the Khan. Uh, her title was Zu, which is like sage in Chagorin. Yep. And so her role will be, we'll see. At some point, she is just absolutely critical to the way the story rolls. Yes. And her conversations with the Khan over the course of the book are, are where a lot of the exposition comes from. Yes. Uh, and essentially, the Khan uh, is really good at leading a war, not so much at... Um, maintaining a campaign and so they are having all kinds of problems like ammunition and transportation and all the nitty-gritty like super not sexy stuff of war that like defines modern warfare i I know what you mean yes and so they brought in this expert and it's like he keeps having playing chess with her and like hanging out and talking it's like she she's just here to make sure you guys like have food dude (laughs) yes agreed agreed so it's a very practical side to his very like uh nonchalant kind of up oh, in yeah. the clouds look so yeah. their wild nature as yeah. it were um and so moving on then the story actually begins the prologue with two aspirants one on chagoras one on terra and again we're going to use their chagorian um, names yes. so shivan uh begins the story he's kind of getting the heck beat out of him by these guys and this guy in kind of a cloak with a hood shows up and these guys are just they're doomed by that. And we find out that it's Yeshugai who's discovered Shivan and 
brings him into the Legion, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of mentors him as he's moving up through the ranks and eventually becomes a space marine. Yes. Uh, The Terran, whose name is Torgan, had a very different experience in that he was already kind of in the pipeline to go to a Legion, and he didn't have that high a class standing, as it were. So his his aspiration was to go to the Sons of Horus. Everybody wanted to go to Horus's Legion, right? Oh, yeah, because they're winners, bro. <laughs> right? I stare at my Sons of Horus army across the room from me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but he ended up going to the White Scars, and he's like, these guys are barbarians. Like, I don't believe I'm getting stuck going to the White Scars. He had a really difficult time settling in because their culture is very different, their language. He had to learn Chagorian. And so Torgan is just having a tough time. And almost from the beginning, he's resentful of being a White Scar. Yes. Which just gets worse okay uh, yeah it's pretty pretty tough when you have one job in the universe and you're functionally immortal if you don't like your job yeah that's no a different kidding. level <laughs> yeah, right uh and we talked about elia again uh her experience was kind of similar to torgan's in a way she had difficulty settling into her, her role mm-hmm. because she had very logical thought processes to your point yes and she just was frustrated all the time at how chaotic and wild the white scars were, even though they're incredibly successful, mm-hmm. she just couldn't understand it. And her uh, kind of her guide, his name was um, Halji, was a space marine who kind of was going everywhere with her. Mm-hmm. And he was so patient with her. He would, whenever she asked a question or she was very frustrated, he would just right away quietly respond to her. And so I think he was really important in helping her settle in as well as to your point, because she was a, uh, you know, sage, she was a zoo to the con, she had direct contact with him. And I think a lot of his wisdom, to your point earlier, really started wearing off on her and helping her understand more about what the Legion really was, not just what people thought they were. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Um, The other thing that I thought was interesting that, the Khan at this point is not aware of what's gone on at Isfahan or what's gone on at Prospero. Yes. He, which provides Horace this great chance to manipulate things, which he is the master manipulator. There's no question, right? Yeah. Can, can and, we pause here for a second? So Yeah, sure. So to further that, Horace didn't know what the Khan was going to do. Nobody could get a read no. on the guy. So. No. What do you do? You, you just send him off somewhere and you cut him off. So they used warp storms to like isolate the con. But he also did the same thing to the Ultramarines in theory. Kalth was supposed to get eaten by a warp storm and like right. he was just going to snatch away all the best fighters at that time. So it's very interesting to see how much work and timing and planning Horus went into to make the entire events of this book series happen. Yeah, I mean, like, he was a genius. That yeah, way. yeah, it was all in the background. Uh, the Khan was put where he was put for a reason. Uh, and we'll discuss the Alpha Legion piece of this. I think we'll have some interesting perspectives on that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we're seeing a lot is the Khan has these wonderful memories of his experiences with both Magnus and Horus. 
he he absolutely feels like they're both brothers. He yeah. connects with them. He understands them. He thinks and so as the story goes on, it becomes more and more difficult for him because he's already kind of got a picture of who these guys are, no matter what he hears from anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and the white scars are by their own intent, more isolated than other legions are. They, yes. they made it that way. So, um, so the next thing in the story that goes on is, Yeshugai, we talked about, who is the uh, chief storm seer, is actually not aboard the flagship, the storm sword, with the Khan. Mm-hmm. He has been sent to Nikea as the Khan's um, representative to uh, argue for the Librarius. Yes, which is a big plot point. Oh, man. And unfortunately, <laughs> he was not successful. Uh, he was arguing, you know, with Magnus. He had met, I thought that was interesting, he had met uh, Araman of yep. the Thousand Sons because Magnus had introduced them. Mm-hmm. An immediate connection between the two uh, legionnaires, which was really, really a cool part of the story. Sad but cool. Um, so, Nike is over. He knows what's happened. And certainly, I think Yasugai understands what the Khan is going to do. I mean, there's no question because they've been together for so long. He knows the con is going to say, just keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, whatever. Um, but he's trying to get back to the fleet. He's trying to get back to um, Chondax, which is where the White Scars have kind of been, to your point, trapped by mm-hmm. the um, warp storms. And so, as you said, the warp storms kind of cut off some things. It also kind of has cut him off from getting back to where he wants to be, yeah. which is with the con. Which is cool because it, it creates two white score white scars stories in one book where the con is deciding what's happening with no information, but he's not really going a lot of places. But Yasugai is the one who's traveling the, across the universe, seeing what's happening and being like, "Oh my god, it's all on fire." <laughs> right and so we're having these two you know white scars who are very much in sync like they they're representatives right i mean they for each other but oh yes it's very interesting to see their different perspectives as they have to figure this all out and they're and totally out of incommunicado with each other yes you know they have no idea what's happening uh so this is a part of the story where we transition so what happens now all of a sudden we are with lehman russ and the Space Wolves, uh, on board his flagship, the Rathnagal. Yes. Uh, the burning of Prospero is a very recent memory. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of uh, kind of introspection among the wolves. They're they're not their usual energetic selves because of what they did, mm-hmm. what they had to do, what they were ordered to do. Um, and it's really had a, a very deep and abiding effect on them. And I love that they highlighted that. they don't look happy right there's all this idea like we love war and all this fighting and stuff we were made for this and then when it's over it's like oh (laughs) yeah right but again i think that shows a lot of people don't understand that russ isn't this barbarian you know he's yeah he's a very different individual and i you're right they they pointed that out um so 
one of the interesting things I thought from a, a long-term perspective in terms of the lore was the Primarch is at a meeting with his Jarls, and all of a sudden this young guy speaks up, and his name is Bjorn. <laughs> and you're going, wait a minute. I know there was a Bjorn in the stories. Yeah. And this guy is Bjorn the one-handed. Mm-hmm. And he will be known to Space Wolves fan and others as Bjorn the Fellhanded, who is interned in a dreadnought. Yes. In the future. This is the same guy, but he's alive and well. And, you know, well, he's got his whole body except for his hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the interesting thing I thought, uh, Doug, was that the wolves are aware of what's going on. They know yes. what happened yep. at Isfahan. They know who the traitor legions are now. They know which legions were destroyed, right? So they're very much aware of what's happened, and they have been summoned back to Terra by Dorne. Yes, to aid in the defense. Um, and yeah. so to put this in perspective, this is after the burning of Prospero and after uh, Garrow gets back during the flight of the Eisenstein. Yes. Immediately, Dorne starts recalling all his forces to figure out who's who. Yes, to see and, who's, yeah, who he really has. Absolutely. And and one thing to note, Russ knows all about the war, but still, just like Horace, he doesn't know where the Khan falls. Because mm. the Khan hasn't de- decided anything yet. No. And nobody knows. Yes. And this is, well, I'll talk about that in a second. So to kind of transition out of this part of it, so as the wolves are getting ready to kind of move, all of a sudden one of their outrider frigates detects an incoming fleet. And it turns out it's the Alpha Legion. Yes. And Russ is going, what is the Alpha Legion doing here? <laughs> I like, hate you on a good day. I'm having a bad day, and I don't <laughs> like you on a good day. <laughs> right? It, it's like, what? Of all the legions, what are they doing just appearing like this? Obviously part of, well, you want to see. Now, here's another thing, Doug, I think it would be interesting to get your perspective on. Yeah. I really wonder if the Alpha Legion going to... Uh, both the white scars, which they will do, we'll talk about that in a second, listeners, mm-hmm. and going to Russ wasn't something that just Alfarius did after the events of Legion. I wonder if he just decided, I don't know if Horus even sent him there. Mm. That's I actually feel- a very compelling idea because yep. he, he would also want to take an assessment of who's who and where's where, right? Right, and he has, he, he saw what he saw at the end of Legion. Right. They... They have chosen a side um, for very different reasons than most of the other traitor legions. Yeah. And so did they just do this to, you know, have an effect and, you know, Hmm. so we'll talk about that. Anyway, I think it's great. And I don't know that the book answers the question. No, no, we never get a sense of if they were directly ordered to do anything, but I I generally don't like just saying, well, it was Alpha Legion chicanery because that's kind of a Mm -hmm. cop out for a lot of things. (laughs) But at the same time, later on, when um, the Khan is trying to be convinced of things, the first thing he wants to do is go see Prospero. So if the I'm sorry, the Alpha Legion had the same experience, the first thing they would want to do is Mm -hmm. see like that first, you know, the the line that was crossed, which is Russ Killen. Yes. All those things. And and also the Khan, who also nobody knows which side he falls on. Because they might have ended up like the Alpha Legion, too. So that's that's actually, those are reasonable things that I think that they would do. Yeah, I like that. So that transitions is what you just said to a very important scene, I think. Yes, uh, we go back to Terra. 
and Dorne and Malkador and Valdor, you know, the, the head custodian guy, are kind of standing around having this conversation. And they're talking about their Legion assets, what is available, what's not. And Malkador goes, oh, you know what? We almost forgot the scars. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Legion. Right. And so he questions their loyalty, though. He, he kind of notes that, you know, Horus and Magnus are pretty close to the con. Right. And the Sigilite realizes mistakes and acknowledges them that they made it in Ikea. And so they all agree, all three of them, that it's very likely that the Khan is going to be counted among the traitors at this point. Yes. And I think for those three characters to have that opinion is a really important thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was just, yeah, they're doing the math and they're like, who's the sketchiest amongst us as the good guys? And it's like, everyone's like the con. (laughs) What do we know about him? Nothing. Well, and and I think it was the Sigilite, it was Malkador who said something about, he looked at, he says, you know, when I think about all of your brothers, Dorn, you are, you are a known quantity. We know exactly what we're getting with you. You know, you're, you're steadfast, you follow orders, you do these things. He goes, the con is exactly your opposite. And Mm -hmm. he said that every system needs an unknown. It's important that you have that. And the con is that unknown in the system. Yes. Um, But interesting explanation, I think. Yeah. Um, It's interesting that no one sees that as an asset until all of a sudden it is. Yes. Right. Until he's on your side, it's it's a liability. (laughs) Until he's on your side, right? Um, So we kind of finished this part of the story. We're going back now finally to talk about very briefly one of the aspirants Shivan that we uh, discussed earlier he is now mm-hmm. a Khan so he's kind of like a company captain yep. he's risen up through the ranks and he's in an apothecarium examining the body of a dead white scar there was a a volcanic kind of world close to Chandex that they were fighting on and he looks at the body and the apothecary is looking at the body and it almost looks like the space ring was killed by another legionnaire. Yeah. Absolutely. And this just creates, you're going, what the, like who would have killed the white scar, right? Why yeah. would they kill, you know, was it the word bearers? Was it, you know, some other traitor legion or what was it? Mm-hmm. So, it's a very it's a brief scene, but I think it's really important because it, again we're gonna get more into it later on. Uh, but it, it brings up a really important point and almost forces the storyline in a certain direction. Yes, absolutely, and uh, I think it's hard to kind of have that like dramatic irony of they don't know what's happening, right? We, of course, always do. But in a, in a much more real sense, like the idea is that this entire Legion is off on its own. Like to think, mm-hmm. not not just that other Marines do, like the Istvan tragedy when everyone's out in the field and then the mm-hmm. guns get turned on them. When you get betrayed by a different Legion, that's like one kind of inconceivable. It's different if it's just you and all of your best friends in a room. Somebody got shot. You're like, ha. Huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not just that it's, us a human it's like literally one of us yeah. <laughs> and it's a different when you're all alone like that i don't know it's weird i thought it was a creepy scene i enjoyed it yes agree <laughs> uh, so now we're gonna you know we talked about we're gonna try to minimize this but now we're back with the wolves and the alpha legions actually attack them yes 
And from Russ down to the lowest space marine, they're like, why? Why are they attacking us? Mm-hmm. Right? And they fully engage the wolves. They just dive right in. And Bjorn defends his ship against some Alpha Legion boarders. And as he's just about to kill this one Legionnaire, uh, Alpha Legionnaire, the guy asked him, why, he said, why did you attack us? Mm-hmm. And this is a really spooky thing. The Alpha Legion guy looks back at him and he goes, for the Emperor. Yes. Whoa, <laughs> Whoa wait a minute. Uh, and then you think about it. What did the what did the Alpha Legion see? At the yep. end of Legion, what did they see? Uh, and why did they make the choice they made? So it makes perfect sense why they would say that, but not to the wolves, obviously. Well, yeah, and, and think about how jarring that must be. If you're sad about having to kill your brother, right? And then another legion who you thought was completely unrelated to your order shows up and is like, I'm trying to kill you because dad told me to kill you. Yeah. What? What? You you know what I mean? Like there's just, there had to be that weird doubt of like, wait, what? (laughs) Did he pin, did he pin the whole murder on me? And and I know he's talked to Dorn, but it had to be so jarring. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They have that. Those three words were three of the most important words in the whole story, I think. When he said that, um, and then we have some, you know, Bjorn. Bjorn then actually needs to defend the Rathnagal, the the flagship, and his crew, his retinue, get on a bunch of boarding torpedoes. They're going this way, and uh, one of the interesting scenes again to show how Bjorn's saga, that the thing that the wolves do, is being written and grown is that he ends up facing off against a dreadnought, which is kind of interesting when you think about his history. Um, And there's just this, we're not going to go into the details, there's just this great battle scene where as he's about to just get blown away by this dreadnought, like Russ comes in. Yep. And Russ just demolishes this dread, and it was so cool to see Russ. (laughs) It was like, he wasn't even thinking about it, right? No, no. He does exactly what he does on the tabletop if you play the Horus Heresy game. <laughs> great. Now, again, we talked about Shiban very briefly there in the Apothecarium. Now let's talk about, briefly, uh, Torgan and where he is. So he is in yes. – he's aboard the Star Spear, another ship in the White Scars fleet there where the Khan is. And he is meeting with – uh, his Noyan Khan, whose name is Hibu. And Hibu has an announcement for all the Legionnaires in his brotherhood. And he is telling them that the Space Wolves have rebelled against the Emperor. They killed Magnus and they destroyed the Thousand Sons. And you can, to your point earlier, like what was the effect that had on those yeah. White Scars? Like yeah. the Wolves, why did they do that? But and from a perspective, it's absolutely accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I guess they were surprised, but not surprised when you think about who the Space Wolves were, right? Yeah. And the the interesting thing that we know, though, is is a couple of Legionnaires were like, why did we, how do we find this out? And, oh, we found this out from Horus. The War Master sent news that this happened. And you're going, uh, okay. I thought the radios were out. <laughs> brother 
how did that happen, right? Did he pass a note? Like, what? So, Hibu and Torgan and that brotherhood that he's in, brotherhoods are kind of like the um, companies, I guess, that they have in the White Scars. Um, They are, like, (laughs) pretty upset about what's going on. Mm -hmm. They have other issues, too, but... um, So now what we have is we fly back and we're uh, looking at, we're not with the space wolves anymore. We're looking at the white scars fleet. And instead of attacking the alpha legion is just sitting there because they've showed up in front of the white scars fleet, which to your point again, how did they get through the storm? Right. They were there and the con can't leave, so how are they coming in? That's yes. the first question. Yep. The other one is, why aren't they attacking? Because we just read about how they attacked the Space Wolves, yep. and they're just sitting there. Not responding. Just right. staring. And the con keeps, I guess it's his star speakers, I think he calls them, as kind of their navigators, whatever. He keeps getting contradictory you know, readings from them. Um, so <laughs> he... He's hearing that uh, Russ has rebelled and mm-hmm. Horace, you know, has ordered him to uh, has ordered the Khan to destroy Russ. But he's also been told by his star speakers that the War Master's rebelled yep. and he's taken several legions with him. Yep. And the Khan, this scene goes on for quite a while, but he is just becoming so frustrated. Like you never see the Khan angry. But in this case, he just became furious. And he talked to the chief star speaker and said, look, I'm going to give you 12 hours to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And if you guys can't do if you guys can't do it in 12 hours, I'll make your dreams, you know, yes. reality. I'll make you find out what the real truth is. Yeah. And so. <laughs> well, and I just want to slip in here that like when they talk about, I feel like this book did a good job of talking about communication through the warp. Like it's kind of these vibes or, or fleeting yeah. images of ideas. And what we learn is happening is that Dorn is desperately projecting, Hey, if you're a loyalist and you're anywhere, because loyalists could also be from traitor legions at this point who didn't rebel. So like, if you're loyal, to the emperor get to Terra now. That's it. That's the line. Right. Yep. Meanwhile, Horus is like also bombarding the airwaves with all these accusations <laughs> and and just false information about where people are. He doesn't let other legions know where the, you know the right hand is, what the left is doing, right. kind of stuff. And so it's just like total disarray. Yes. Yep. That's all. <laughs> no, that's good. That's great. Um, then we go back. We're we're back to Yushu guy now. He's trying to get back to the White Scars. He's on board a uh, White Scars vessel called the Sickle Moon. And they leave the warp. And just as they leave the warp, all of a sudden they're fired on by a Sons of Horus destroyer. And you're going, whoa, wait a minute. Sons of Horus, Horus, <laughs> what's going on here? Well, something wasn't quite right with what was happening, the way they were being shot at. And he just had, you know, this chief storm seer feeling that something wasn't right about this situation so suddenly um fires exchanged between the two vessels and 12 astartes boom teleport on board the bridge of the sickle moon yep. and you're going holy crap but then you realize <laughs> that Yushu guy is he's the man 
there's just no question. These 12 guys just open up on him, and all of a sudden, you almost kind of see him yawning as he's leaning on his staff going, okay, fine. Yes, yeah. He does the the Neo Matrix, just holds up his hand and stops all the bullets. Yeah, And all the bolt rounds just stopped. And then he basically freezes all of these guys by using his psychic powers. It was just great. And the scene was just great, what he did. So as the Astartes are disarmed... He realizes that a few of them are iron hands and some of them, about a dozen of them are salamanders. Yeah. And they tell him that they are, you know, what we're going to end up knowing as the Shattered Legions, the mm-hmm. ones that did survive uh, Istvan. Um, but uh, they tell him what has happened. They fill him in so he knows exactly what went on at Istvan. And basically, they tell him that they captured a Sons of Horus ship, which is Hesiot, and they're now on a mission to seek retribution. They're trying to attack the traitors. Yep. And the leader of the Salamanders, his name is Zavin, and Henrikos is the main guy of the Iron Hands. And, of course, Iron Hands, he's almost like a uh, tech marine. You know, He's got all the, mm-hmm. the kit and the gear and all that kind of stuff. Um, so at this point... Um, we're going to leave it at that because we're going to come back. But they did tell Yushagai what was happening and something very important here is going to happen. Yeah. We're going to go back to the fleet. And the Khan has figured out why the Legion won't attack. He has figured out that the Alpha Legion just wants them to stay in place. Yes, absolutely. Until, until they can hear from Terra. <laughs> mm-hmm interesting to again something you said earlier like isn't it funny how some of this stuff got through so isn't it funny that they were there long enough to hear from tara and to hear that dorn was recalling them yeah and and specifically like i get to be here when i know that you're first responding to a direct order how yes. you react it will tell the well, alpha legion everything they're curious to know yeah and even if and- they die one ship is worth that information Yes. Yep. And so they get these orders, um, and the Khan just again, he very uncharacteristic, becomes super angry, and now he's angry about the fact that finally, after all this time, now that the legions are tearing each other apart, do they realize they have another legion, the White Scars, available to them? Like, they didn't pay any attention to them at all, ever. Yep. And now all of a sudden, guys, come back to the throne world. He's angry Exactly. About You're our favorite shirts. legion. <laughs> We've always been a fan. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the cool things about this scene, though, was the Khan realized they're going to have to break out. And they did something called a Zhao pattern fleet movement. And Zhao is chisel in Chigorian. Mm-hmm. And... It was just such an amazing scene. And Elia, who we talked about before, this um, sage, that this counselor, she was like with Halji and she's going, he can't do this. What What the heck is – because she's seeing all the fleet movements on her cogitators and her screens mm-hmm. and stuff going, what's happening here? And he goes, just, just yeah. wait. Just chill and out. she's like, they We're can't about, do this. I'm going to teach it, you how to Tokyo drift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, she's like, this would take – anybody else like five hours to figure out and the Mm -hmm. alpha legion did this or not the alpha legion the white scars did this in like five minutes yes 
because of this incredible speed that they had built in and the um, enlarged engines and all the ways that they uh, kind of, you know, uh, nitroed there. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and, you know, and it's fun for her because her perspective is looking at these things from logistics standpoint, which is like these ships don't have enough storage capacity. Why do you ditch all of that for speed? Like you have to transport stuff. And then all of a sudden you speed, you see in action why the white scars use these things the way that they do. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the alpha legion has no, no chance of stopping what's going on. They have no idea what's about to hit them. And without losing a single ship, the white scars break past this blockade. And Mm -hmm. it's just insane to listen to the description or read about the description of what's going on. So now after this maneuver, this incredible maneuver is complete, the con now gets a message from Russ and Russ is requesting assistance and mm-hmm. the con though does not commit to helping Russ. However, he does tell Russ that before he can respond, he's gonna, you know, to help him, he's gonna need to find the truth. Yep. And he hopes that he'll fight alongside his brother again. And so that's I think that's one of the first hopeful things that you hear in the whole story. Yeah. You know, that he knows there's something about the way Russ uh the Russ way Russ reached out and it seemed like just such an innocent, you know, real request for help. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know that there was a problem or there's anything else going on. He just needed his brother's help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is why I said before that the white scar superpower is wisdom. Like he, <sighs> he sees the urgency. He understands his order to return to Terra. And it's like, before I listen to anybody, I need some actual like evidence. I need a firsthand account of something. Uh, you know, as you shoe guy got that with the survivors, the shattered legions, he, the first hand mm-hmm. accounts, but Khan is still in the not net. He, he has no idea. Yes, but he does make a decision and he does decide, uh, not to go help Russ, but he does decide to go back to Prospero. Yes. He needs to go to Prospero. And when he's asked about it, he says, I need to find out if Magnus is really dead. Mm hmm. Because, again, he was very close to Magnus, and it, he, he wants to know what's going on himself and see Prospero and see if the truth, what the truth is of everything. So that part of the story, they're gone. They're, they're on their way to Prospero. Now we go back to Shaban, who was one of the aspirants we talked about. It's Shaban Khan now. Yes. He's returned to that volcanic planet we briefly talked about because he wants to examine the White Scar's body some more. Yep, And this is one of the major events, even though it's a small one in the story. One of the other Marines, as they're searching around, brings him a small metal disc. Huh. Yep. Interesting. Now, we also find out right in that part of the story that Torgan has joined a warrior lodge. Yes, those warrior lodges. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so... Does Shaban finding a metal disc make sense? Can you say Lodge Medallion? Hello? Uh, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And Unbelievable. And you're going, something's going on in the White Scars fleet. Um, and Torgan's a part of it. Oh, man. that That's really disturbing. You know, so mm-hmm. Shaban 
brings the disc to the Noyan Khan Hussik, who we talked about a little bit, um, who says, I'm going to deal with this. I'm not sure what it is, but I will deal with this thing. And then Torgan, while he's attending a lodge meeting, discovers that Hussik is a member of the lodge. Yep. And you're going, oh boy, the plot doesn't just thicken, it solidifies. Yeah, here. yeah, it's right. A- it's a long way of saying, like, well, I found this weird thing, so I took it to my boss. And then I took it to my boss's boss. And then we got corporate involved. And the whole time, you're just like, oh, this is, like, way bigger. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that um, Hasik encourages Torgan to reconnect with Shaban. Yep. Uh, because they had fought together. They know each other. They had fought together in a recent battle, so they were close in that way. And they respected each other. They're both cons. Uh, and Hasik has actually encouraged Torgan to bring Shaban to a lodge meeting to see if he can be brought in you know, to, the, to the thing. Well, that does not go as planned uh, because of there were orders being given and there were voices in this thing, you know, and everybody's wearing hoods. And Torgan was very, it was almost like he was embarrassed every step of the way to get there because, oh, the meeting's kind of secret. um, And we have to wear these hoods and these these cloaks. And Shabbat's just going, what is going on here? Why is it so secretive? If it's, it's, uh, you know, if there's nothing to it, which Torgan just said, hey, it's a brotherhood. You know, it's where we can all be equal. We know the story. We've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, it's the exact same everywhere. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And so Shaban is just, he's not buying any of this. He knows that something is really wrong. And it's actually revealed that the lodge members were planning to side with Horus. Yep. And bring the white scars into the heretic fold because this one voice that you kind of, you know, it's somebody somewhere. It's either Erebus or it could be Horus or it could be anybody, some sorcerer, you know, word bearer sorcerer or something. They're just like, we know where you are. We know where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You need to do this. It, it was just very apparent that this voice was kind of the guiding force for uh, bringing the White Scars into Horace's fold and splitting, literally, the White Scars Legion. Yeah, and so that kind of changes the idea of, like, Horace didn't just leave them in a vacuum. He also seeded Rebellion inside of them and and it had to be pretty deep because not only do they have like they have a communication system that lets them speak out of the warp storm that's going on directly to other traders like that's that's a big deal i don't know we're gonna we're gonna find something that's even worse than that right yeah um on on a ship so uh yeah it's almost it's so sad because you know that you almost think torgan obviously bought into this but you just you just know there's something that he doesn't I don't think he understands what's really going on until like the last minute. Yeah. You know, when he really commits. And Shiban is just such a great contrast to Torgan. I love the way the story is told between the two of them, which directions they went. Yep. Um and so what happens is Shiban decides because uh, of what's going on. I mean, this is definitely a traitorous act here. Absolutely. And he knows he can't trust Hasik. 
but he knows because Hasek's a Noyan Khan, he can't go against him. So he tries to find his own Noyan Khan. His <laughs> name is Gemelin. Yep. And explain the situation. And this guy is, you're freaking nuts, man. Just exactly. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and they can't convince him to help with this. Right. So Shaban, being who he is, he's like, look, I have to do something. I'm a white scar. I can't just sit. I have to move. I have to get something done. So he takes the initiative and he begins to muster his own brotherhood, mm-hmm. which is about 500 Marines. Right. The other thing in this part of the story is that Ilya, who's on the bridge of the storm sword with Haji, her whatever, she starts yeah. to notice these really weird fleet movements. Yes. The logistics person would be the first to be like, what? And she's going, Haji, what's going on? You know, Haji, what's going on? I mean, I, I don't understand. And all of a sudden she sees four basically huge capital ships appear from nowhere into the sector. Mm-hmm. And they're moving through the fleet like nobody's concerned. They're, nobody's shooting at them. They're just kind of going where they want to go. And she's like, something is really weird. And when she asks him about it, Unlike before, he's very silent. Yes. He won't really respond to her at all. And as a reader, you know, like, okay, Halji's one of the bad guys. Now. Yep. You just know he is. He, know, he <laughs> knows what's coming, and he's just either letting it happen or he's a part of it. Yep. And you realize that he was never, ever a guide. He was always a minder. He was yes. always the guy who just was going to be there to make sure she didn't get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting very interesting part of this then again um torgan and hebu who's kind of his noyan khan uh they move to their transports because they're going to start moving you know troops between different uh, ships and they just have this absolutely delusional conversation yes you know torgan's bringing up these things like well what do you think if and hebu is like look we have to do this. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Horus is doing the right thing. We need to do this so we can have our freedom again. He's every time Torgan brings up something, Hebrews just like, no, no, it's all okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's and I like this book because instead of just having like clear, you know, division lines, all the characters are struggling. They're struggling to understand the lodges, mm-hmm. but also like if those lodges are super sketchy, I don't, I don't know. Like even someone who's in the lodge is like, are we doing the right thing? Are we the baddies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so Shiban, as we said, he gives this as opposed to Torgan, who's kind of having this weird conversation with Hibu. Shiban gives an inspirational speech to his men. He talks about the Khan, about brotherhood, about tradition. He screams for the Khagan, you know, and all these guys are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go do whatever we're going to do. And that scene we're going to talk about is amazing. So (laughs) here we go again. We're going to shift a little bit. And we're actually going to a word bearer ship. Yes. It was very unexpected, but very cool. It's called the Vakata. And they're approaching a relay station because they got some kind of weird signals from it. Mm-hmm. And so three word bearers teleport aboard this station. And in a very cool scene, they are ambushed by Yashugai, Zavin, and Henrikos. And the loyalists use Yashugai's powers basically afterwards because they just overwhelm these three word yes. bearers. <laughs> Two of them are dead and one of them's going to be a prisoner. And so what they do is they use their access to teleport back onto 
the word bearer ship and they take it over. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that. They basically put the check engine light on on a satellite and then just <laughs> scooped <Yes>. them. <laughs> it's so cool. Shanghai the whole crew. <laughs> and the, this is the part where the word bearers play an essential part in the uh, in the story. You think, oh, this is just a little scene. Well, on board the Volcata, Henricos, who's the tech marine, you know, Iron Hands guy, he discovers this huge device. It's basically this giant auditorium-sized dome. And when he ends up activating it, a couple things happen. The first thing that happens is he absolutely – and Zavin and uh, Yushugai are in there. They see an entire display of the galaxy. Yes. Every legion, every legion element, every warp storm – and they're looking at each other going, oh, my God, the traitors know all of this. Mm-hmm. Like how many of these things are on board their ships? They know exactly what we're doing, what they're doing, yep. what they want us to do. Oh, my gosh. It was it was incredible. Yeah. And that was a really cool scene because, well, I, I did kind of think the whole time, like, maybe this is not the ship with all the maps you should send out to go fix the radio station. <laughs> but uh, it was cool to see some Marines, just the enormity of it, especially knowing their perspective of the Shattered Legions who, mm. you know, they understand the gravity, of course, of the betrayal. But, like, when you see how long and thought out this all was, that's a different kind of tragedy. And you're just like, oh, man, we never stood a chance. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, the other thing that happens we talked about was the stars, they're looking up at the stars in this map, and all of a sudden one set of these stars kind of coalesces, and it changes into kind of this weird warp rift thing, and it, like, pukes out this huge demon. Yes. Like Yagsha is what it's called in Chigorn. <laughs> and this thing kills Zavin. Yeah. Before Shugai can basically turn it to dust, right? But it kills Zavin, which is... I was really disappointed in that. I was hoping he was yeah. a real <laughs> But uh, Yushugai and Enrikos, they go back to the... They, they have three ships now, if they wanted to. They have the Hesiod, the Sickle Moon, and then they're going to destroy the Volcata, though. They yep. don't want to... Too much they, warp stuff on machine. there. And the other part of that machine was, and the whole ship, was it was just super creeped out, chaos-y, mm-hmm. warpy. Everything was... was organic and too many skulls it it was just horrible (laughs) they just had these horrible feelings when they're on board it so uh they knew that they needed because they saw you know where the con was now yes because they they knew it too so they knew they had to go to prospero prospero to reunite with the con that's where they had to head so big scene and that was just so cool it was so unexpected you know, like you said, that this device, this kind of a device would be on this random ship. And yeah. It's like, wow. But it's, uh, a, it's a great way to move the plot forward just to show us how, how deep and considerate all these plans were. Oh, my gosh. Scary stuff. Um, so the White Scars finally arrive at Prospero. Mm-hmm. And the con the has decided that he needs to go to the surface to find what's going on. They can see basically that Prospero is this husk. Yes, absolutely. But the other thing is there are these weird storms around the planet and it's not so much part of the bigger warp storms that are in the galaxy, but we know that Prospero is 
seeped in the warp. So to get down there was difficult, but they did. They got down to the surface. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Khan takes his uh, Keshig, which were his bodyguards, and Kinza, who is the head of his uh, Keshig. And Kinza is somebody, again, he has been at the Khan's side forever. You know, very, very close, close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got... Uh, Something that was unexpected, at least to me, when I'm listening to this. First of all, we got this tectonically unstable planet, but we have Sinuin. And if anybody remembers from Thousand Suns, these Sinuin were like these insectoid kind of mosquito things that basically would implant eggs inside of their victims' brains. And then you know what happened. These things were horrible, but the Thousand Suns were able to drive them off. But they were kind of like psychic predators is what they were. Yeah, Well, absolutely. they're back, but they're not corporeal. They're almost ghost-like. However, the Khan and his Keshig and Kinja found out very quickly that they could still suck the life out of you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they look like ghosts and... Sometimes you can hit them. Most of the time you can't. Guns don't work. No. Nope. Melee seems to work slightly better. Yeah, and the Khan is the only one with his weapon that can kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the instability of the surface, the Khan ends up, there's these huge cracks that are appearing in the surface. Everywhere. He falls into this crevice. Yes. Which leaves uh, his Keshik and Kinza behind. Well, they're in a hopeless fight because there's just too many of these Sinuan appearing everywhere. They couldn't stop them. So all of a sudden, this sheet of flames just appears from nowhere and burns all the Sinuan away. And they're Mm -hmm. going, what? What happened? Well, it turns out that there is actually a book, I believe, called The Last Son of Prospero. Yes. And this is a Thousand Sun. He is the last Thousand Sun. The, the real Thousand Sons. Yes. Uh, because he came back after the battle to Prospero, and his name is Arvita. He plays a very important role uh, in the story, and he, he is in future stories in uh, the yeah. lore. So. I thought this was a really cool introduction, and certainly a reminder of just like all the things that happened in Prospero. Like he's just a great character to represent those things. Yes. And, you know, you can imagine what he's going through, seeing what's happened and. Obviously, he's exhausted. He's been there for quite a while, uh, and these guys show up. So um, below ground, where the Khan is now, he looks for mm-hmm. a way back to the surface, and he encounters the ghost of Bagnus. Yes. Oh, man, what a conversation. Yeah, so um, do, do you want a, a voice break? I can take over for a little bit here if you— Yeah, please. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So— he has this conversation with what is essentially part of Magnus. Uh, we get this sense that like Magnus and some level was split by the destruction that happened with some of his will and intent going into the warp, becoming the Magnus that we know in 40 K. And then there's some fragment of him either that was put aside or whatever. That is the him that the con remembers roughly. I mean, it kind of changes over the course of the conversation, but that's kind of the idea we get initially. And, this discussion essentially is going down like this is how we got here and a lot of exposition to kind of fill the con in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
essentially the idea is how I was wrong. I I see everything now. I drank too deeply from the warp, mm-hmm. but it's not the evil that it was portrayed as um, on Nicaea. Like it, they're still good in it, but I I went too far. And um, even now, Magnus is basically he's so full of himself. Even in admitting yep. that he's wrong, he does it in like. Well, yeah, every idiot knows that. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Every idiot does know that, Magnus, as you're talking to a dead ghost. <laughs> right? um, yeah. I don't know. It just it was perfectly indicative of them and their relationship. Um, but at this point, you know, he, he, this is when the Khan himself, personally, firsthand account, learns the extent of the heresy as they know it and what happened to Prospero. Yes. Um, yeah. As we're kind of hanging out there with with the con on the surface where that ground war is happening with the psych new and um kinza arvita and keshig are still fighting arvita still has like all his lightning powers going off he he i don't remember did they say which part of the thousand suns he's a part he of? was he was a corvidae which yes. he made an interesting comment he because somebody asked him you know what is that and he goes oh we're the brotherhood that could tell the future. And he goes, well, that worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was interesting how Arvita, instead of burning them away this time, when he's using his powers, he actually turns them corporeal. Yes. So that the, uh, white scars can actually kill them now with their regular weapons. That was what he was using his powers for. He's using every spell in his spell lore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He knows them all. Yep. At a certain point, the the con reappears, and they kind of drive back the creatures. And just when there's kind of a breath for everyone who's reunited to kind of get their game together, uh, seven teleport signatures appear, and Mortarian and his Death Shroud Terminators drop down to the planet. Which is what those four ships that Elias saw and identified at that point were. They were part of the Death Guard coming because they knew what was going on. They knew there was going to be a, a rebellion within the fleet. Yep. And they were there to kind of, quote, help the uh, rebellious traitors uh, to turn over to Horus. Yeah, so we have the, the Death Guard were sent over to aid, yes, that rebellion with um, the crew back on the ship. But also, this is the first time that the Khan himself has had information and needs to make a choice. Yes. Like the Alpha Legion just sat and stared at him. <laughs> and so he ran away. And and Russ called for aid because he got delayed. And so now that you know everything and you have all the proof that you need, what do you choose? And I like that because Mortarian didn't come specifically for a fight one-to-one combat. No. no. But he came to extend the offer. And in yep. so doing, also start off the revolution in the uh, Chagora <laughs> ships. Yeah. And the conversation between Mortarian and Khan... The con is amazing in the writing. It just, and it was great because your your point of wisdom, you could just feel the con listening to Mortarian going, "You're just an idiot, man." Yeah, you were such a moron. Yeah, yes, yes, you sound like a goon. At one point, he even says to him, "He goes, so how did that all work out for you?" He goes, "You know, you had this grand plan, and." You told me about your grand plan, which was to get rid of the librarians, get rid of all the sorcerers, get rid of mm-hmm. all the librarians and the psychers. He goes, how's that working out for you now? Because there's more sorcerers and psychers 
in your trader legions than there were ever before. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yes. It's all, it's all so terrible. It's the dumbest thing. It's just pointing out like, you know, everyone talks crap about you, right? Mortarian. Well, they're not going to talk crap about me once everything's settled. It's like, have you met your brothers, dude? <laughs> and there's just the, the jabs are so good because I feel oh, like they are. they're so great. I feel like both of them have such a better perspective than like the harsh seriousness of Gilliman and Dorn where yes. they can just, their character bleeds through in, in a great way. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so while this conversation is taking place between Mortarian and the Khan, uh, back in the Sword Storm, Elia is really getting frustrated uh, by the realization that everything she's seeing in the fleet has been arranged by Hasek, who is now on the bridge of the Sword Storm, and Halji too. He's quietly just, you know, looking at what's going on, but she realizes this has all been arranged beforehand. And she realizes uh, that what she needs to do is something. And she starts working at her cogitators yep. to see what she can do to help. Um, and so at this point in the story, there's two really distinct arcs that it breaks into. One, we have the Khan who's confronted by his brother. And in the other, we have really a battle for the soul of the White Scars. Yes. Um, in the fleet. So let's start with the Khan and Mortarian. We talked a little bit about that conversation and eventually the tensions are just unbearable and mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> no, it's just like one of them pops the holder on his holster. The other one pops the holder on his mm -hmm. holster. The other one rearranges his gun in the holster. The other one, and you just know they're getting close to drawing. Well, the con goes first because he realized he's faster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it plays exactly like you would imagine these two characters doing. Like, And, and the fight is and – and their conversation continues while they're fighting, which I thought was hilarious when I'm listening to this going, really? The two of the most powerful beings in the universe, and they're still having a conversation, like trying to, you know, make sense of what's going on or to – you know, he's still knocking the, It was just funny. So – um, as their fight and conversation continues, in the end, it's a standoff because, you know, uh, the Khan deals a really serious blow to Mortarian, knocks him back. But then Mortarian being a death guard and who he is, yep. recovers, he comes at the Khan and the Khan is like, OK, 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 I have to get this perfect strike off. I have to do this exactly this way and then I can stop him. And while he's thinking this, all of a sudden... Mortarian and the Death Shroud start backing off. Yep. And suddenly, boom, teleport signatures, douche, they're all gone. Mm -hmm. And, of course, again, it, it's just funny that you see the Khan so mad. It, but most of the book, like 90% of the book, he's not. But this, again, he was just, he had his prey right there, and it went away. Um, well, and that's the thing that I I appreciated is, like, more. <laughs> The, the con quickly realized I can beat Mortarian in a one-to-one -one fight, but yeah. if I have enough time, because I'm faster, but I don't have time. And at the same time, Mortarian's like, he's going to beat me in a one-to-one -one fight because he's learning <laughs> all the time. He kept getting better and better. And so right when he was like, I think the con knows how to kill me. <laughs> he just hits the eject <laughs> button. Sure. Sure. Um, so Mortarian and the Death Guard get away. But the Khan realizes he has to get back to his fleet. Yes. There's something going on. 
And the problem is there's that storm surrounding Prospo. But Arvita, being a psyker, Mm -hmm. uh, can what he does is he basically channels all his force and he blows a hole in this a storm. And we said that somebody was working at her cogitators earlier. Yep. Well, she sees the con. She sees yep. something on the planet. His blip and shows up on the radar. Yeah, working her stuff, you know. But there's hope now that he can get off. So now we have uh, we're we're back to Shiban. And his brotherhood, uh, and this was really cool too. So it's called the Kaljin. So the the Kaljin maneuver is really, really close to the Storm Sword, which is the flagship. Mm-hmm. And there are five hundred Astartes on jet bikes in yes. this launch bay, and you just try to picture that going. That is unbelievable. That is epic. <laughs> it was so yes. epic. Is a great word, uh, and so. Boom, you just see all 500 of these jet bikes, boom, go out into space, right? So they get next to the storm sir, but they realize all the docking bays are sealed. And they, they try one, they try another one, and all of a sudden, there's one that's not blocked. It's open. Yep. And you're going, Elia. Oh, you little devil. You it was punched so open cool. a door right, as yeah. you were getting the Somebody con Somebody opened the door. But here, when I was reading it, Doug, it was like, okay, was it her mm-hmm. or was it Hasek who let him in that door? Hmm. See, this at that point in the story, I'm like, ooh, man. I, I could just see an experienced White Scar who's going to fight another White Scar letting him in there to set the trap. Yeah, that's know? a great point. I didn't thought yeah. about that one. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, like we that. know it was her, but it's still uh, because we had that meta information. Right. Anyway, um, so they get in there, 500 Marines, they're storming, and they're trying to make it to the command deck. They almost get there. They're just like one staircase away from going into the outer parts of the command deck, and Shaban sees Torgan and his men standing there. Mm-hmm. And it was almost it was almost making you want to cry. Because you yeah. saw these two guys who were not enemies. No, not at all. And you saw this is the first time really that you just knew that white scars were going to be killing white scars. Mm-hmm. And it was such a waste to do this, right? And Shiban even said that. Why are you doing this? Like, it, we, we don't need to do this. But Torgan's like, I got orders. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but – they made progress. The fighting obviously was very brutal. A lot of bolter fire back and forth. They got into hand to hand fighting and it was just horrible, you know, brother killing brother, the whole heresy thing going on. Um, but Shaban slowly, but surely was forcing Torgan's brotherhood back until they were right on the threshold of the command deck. Yes. And all of a sudden he realized he'd been drawn in and Hasek and several hundred more white scars were up in these like, uh, decks that were around the command uh, center and they had snipers up there. They were just waiting for yep. them to come to that point. And oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so all this time that this is going on, Ely has been watching all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, she's one of many deck hands that is just like watching this civil war happen amongst demigods and is like, I hope I don't get shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do behind the machinery. Right. Um, the other thing that she noticed 
um, while she's doing all this, was there was two smaller vessels that had entered the uh, sector. Um, and it looks like uh, things are not going to go well, that, you know, Shaban's going to be stopped. And now we see another huge, like this monstrous teleportation flare appears. And the Noyan Khan that he had gone to before, Gemelin, has decided this is the right thing to do. He obviously, it doesn't really talk about it, I don't think in the story very much, how he made his decision. But he has decided to side with Shaban and he teleports in the middle of this mess. Yep. And now we're pretty evenly matched, right? Yeah, so this know. is now the Civil War rolls out on one deck of ship for one <laughs> legion, and it's just yes. chaos. <laughs> and it's kind of like the whole Lexington and Concord thing, right? We don't know who shot first, the British or the Americans, yes. but somebody made the order, right? And this is the same kind of thing. We don't know who issued the order, but everybody started opening fire. And it was just massive death and chaos, as you said. Um, and all of a sudden, Shiban is trying to move forward to get to a different position, he sees this woman down on the floor and she screams at him, the Khan, I have a locus. Mm-hmm. And it's Elia, of course. And she tells Shaban that she needs to get to the telephone, teleport platform. It's like 200 meters away. Like yes, four, yes. two football fields, right? So he looks across the distance and it's just bolter shells hitting the floor everywhere. But of course, Shaban is awesome, cool. And so he basically picks her up because she probably weighs as much as like a carton of milk, right, to him. Mm, yeah. And he starts running across. Um, he takes several hits. He gets one in the back, one in the leg, one in the shoulder. He just he's all torn up. But he gets her to where she needs to be. She starts punching codes in, and all of a sudden, boom! The Khan, Kinza, Arvida, and the Keshik are there. Yep. And you can just imagine, and it talks in the story as well. Like the horror that the Khan must have felt when he saw his legionnaires killing each other and ripping itself, you know, the legion ripping itself apart. You just can't imagine, I don't think, what that feeling must have been like. Absolutely. I mean, even in the context of this whole book, he's been talking about his legion always in the singular. You know, we do this. This is the way we do things. And as people are bringing up like... More than a few people have said, you think you guys are immune to this? You know, meaning it kind of gentle nudging at like there's traitorous elements. He just refused to believe it. Like, no, nah, that's not us. We don't do that. And you're like, oh, buddy. <laughs> yep. So uh, the Khan does see Hasek. He confronts him, subdues him very easily. Yep. Um, and this is where this calm, wise Primarch comes back because obviously the first thing to do is just unleash on these traitors, right? And he yep. could just destroy them without even a thought almost. But he doesn't do that. And he orders the fleet to move towards the four Death Guard ships because he realized that's probably a bigger threat because these are huge, like, battle cruisers, you know? Mm-hmm. So the Hesiot and the Sickle Moon, which are the two ships she saw coming in with Yashugai um, um, and Hesiot on it, or on uh, Henrikos on it, um, have engaged one of these huge, I think it was the Endurance, I think it was actually Mortarian's uh, The big chonker, yeah. <laughs> these are just two little frigates, you know. And all of a sudden, uh, the Storm Sword kind of comes between the two of them, and Mortarian's out of there. He's just gone. He's like, no, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, 
Because I the mean, he's pro- essentially dealing with most of a of a legion at that point, right? Yes. As, as other things are trickling in, yeah. And typical Martarian. You know, yes, this is, this is so. Yeah, <laughs> it's a repeating theme throughout the the lore. Uh, so the process, obviously, of restoring order was both very violent and time consuming, because some ships had been restored to order very quickly, but some ships completely had gone over to Horus mm-hmm. and disappeared. They just yes. went off the chart, you know, and so they had to go through it. It says in the story that Khan actually went to each ship, each brotherhood personally and restored order that way. Um, the Khan honors the Shattered Legion Marines mm-hmm. that are still alive at Henrico's. He offers to incorporate them into the scars, uh, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Arvita gets healed. Uh, obviously, the Legion is repaired and restored, um, getting ready for the future. Uh, Shiban awakes in the Apothecarian, which is really cool. Elia is there with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells them the Legion has been restored, which was, you know, really uh, a great way to end his part of the story. Yeah. I thought that the conversation at the end between Yashugai and the Khan, because uh, they're finally reunited, you know, these two old friends uh, mm-hmm. that really uh, care for each other. And Yushugai tells a story um, from Chagoras, of course. And he tells him that the story says that if the enemy succeeds, we're divided. Mm-hmm. If they fail, we're going to execute the traitors. Right. And in either case, the white scars will be weakened, which is what the enemy wants. Yep. And um, the, the Khan responds that there's no greater prize than honor. No greater bond than shame. So um, basically the traitors, most 99% of them are going to do anything that they're ordered to do to expunge the shame. Yeah. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to, at least some of them, we're going to send them out as a vanguard and see what happens. You know, the enemy's going to think that they're friends. And you know, so we're going to make the enemy weaker by using these mm-hmm. people who will obviously comply because they want to die with honor if nothing else um and what a stark contrast to say the way that the emperor handled the word bears and their <sighs> shame um or yes. any number of legions that would have just killed Excellent. them they would have just killed them yeah. and there's just this like i said wisdom i think is the theme of their army of just most of these dudes just they were told the wrong information. There was a point where Hasek was like, yeah, we're doing this for the Khan. It's like, well, if the Khan walks up and then just wrangles that guy pretty easily and tells you, no, X is actually what I want. You, you know, some of those guys were just hopefully being loyal to the Khan, not knowing. Yeah. And so it's just a stark difference. And it's like, ah, oh, they're stronger for it. Also, they embraced it rather than the dark angels letting the shame consume them. Oh, and you know, the other thing you mentioned that is that during their conversation with Martarian and the Khan, Martarian says, you know, we have cells on board your ships, blah, blah, blah. And the Khan goes, I, I know all about the lodges. I, I let them have their lodges. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's no surprise to me. I know they're there. Yeah. <laughs> it was just more of that wisdom. Like, okay, you tried to do, you know, tried to knock me over. I know that it, it was just like water off a duck's back. He didn't even care. Yep. You know, and I will say this book, because uh, we're kind of towards the end here. Um, sure. 
this book has a lot of those little side conversations and memories that make me like the con so much more. I mean, so his dialogue with Mortarian is awesome, but there's a a flashback to him talking with, oh man, what's his name? Uh, Emperor's Children. Oh, Fulgrim. Fulgrim. I don't know why my my brain skipped. I keep thinking of the dude from uh, Age of Sigmar, but Fulgrim, where they were like having a little contest, like who do you think would win in a fight, Fulgrim or the Khan? And they're having these little fun dialogues, and the Khan is just like this ever steady presence who is like, (laughs) I'll win. I'll win because you think things are a game and you prance around like a little pony. And I would take it seriously. And and he just said it in such a way. I was just like, oh, I actually kind of believe him on this one. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. one of the greatest exchanges of yes. like identifying all the things wrong with Fulgrim and all the things right with the con. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's cool. So I guess to end it, the con uh, talks about after all this has happened, he's just like resigned to the fact that the White Scars are still on their own. Yep. They're still distrusted by yep. the other legions, but his legions reunited and they're going to stop Horus no matter what else they do. They mm-hmm. have to stop him. Even if they die doing it, they realize how important it is to stop him. Yes. So what Absolutely. a wonderful, amazing story. I, this is one of the reasons that they're one of these guys. And because I have, such respect for Russ after reading other books, you know, about the space wolves and him. Uh, they're the two prime marks that are my favorites for sure. Yeah. I will say, I do think the depiction of Russ in this one was much more interesting and, and deep than mm-hmm. uh, honestly, even the, uh, the book that featured him the most so far. I'm trying to think. Yes. There, there is a book that talks about him uh, going after Horace. Mm-hmm. And at the and this is I think that's the book that really set in concrete my picture of Russ because he was just so different, so thoughtful, so you know driven, but in a way that was wise, almost to your point. You know, and people kept trying to do things or say things to him to get him riled up and whatever, and he was just like, no, mm-hmm. no, just like the con, just like no, you can't, yeah. can't make me get mad. Yeah, I dig it. So uh, that is Scars, and that is our coverage of it. Any final thoughts on the book there, Dan? No, just a real treat, and I think Mm -hmm. everybody should give it a listen if they haven't. Uh, If you want to after this or read, it is a great read either way. um, It's worth finding out all those other things we didn't cover for yourself, which I think will make you enjoy the story even more and probably become a fan of the White Scars if you weren't already. Oh, absolutely. And and that certainly is true for me. Like I went from knowing nothing about them to just being, I don't know. I just got really into it. I got really into the yeah. the logic behind why they do what they do. And also just, I don't know, uh, just the way that they introduced everything was great. And for our next book, if you wanted to follow along with us, we are going to be doing uh, Fear to Tread by James Swallow. This is the 21st book and it features the the Blood Angels. Yep. Which is a you know, we're as we're kind of starting off the show, we're kind of hitting all of the various uh legions and what makes them special. And I can't wait to learn more about them cuz I I don't know just as much about them as I do as I did the White Scars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. I know then 40K it's like vampire space marines and that's basically yeah. 
That's it. <laughs> that's yep. all I know. Yep. So, um, all right, friends, if you want to join, that's going to be uh, our next book. If you have any questions or comments or, or thoughts on what we should read next, please leave them in the comments here on your podcasting site, as well as on my YouTube channel, two plus stuff, which I have these on there as a podcast as well. And, um, be sure to give our shows a listen, all my age of Sigmar stuff on two plus stuff and Dan, uh, and his co-host Brendan over at cubic shenanigans. So, okay. and, uh, anything you want to say to the nice people? No, I think that's it, man. Thank okay. you for a great discussion. That was, that was wonderful. It was a blast. Thank you all so much for listening and may the emperor protect. 